Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. I'm Wendy Cherry, your host, and I'm so happy to have you here in the sanctuary today. My guest is Erica Totten, a dynamic, facilitator, trainer, activist, healer, spiritual life coach, and community builder from Washington, D.C. She's committed to the movement for Black liberation and the evolution of our collective consciousnesses. Is that a word, consciousness? (laughs) Consciousness, okay. She is the founder and director of Unchained Visioning, a core member of Harriet's Apothecary, which a healer's collective, Harriet's Apothecary Healer's Collective, which I'm going to ask you about. Okay. And a co-creator of the Black Lives Matter movement here in Washington, D.C., and where she focuses on centering healing and visioning within activism. So she's a world traveler, and she does this work around the world from South Africa to Charlottesville. Erica creates and facilitates transformative healing spaces for Black, Indigenous, people of color, and identities to process racial stress and trauma and to experience embodied liberation and collective joy in the midst of dismantling systems of oppression. She's also a mom and a wife. Yes. Yes. And she um, organizes to build chosen families of health, restoration, and radical love. And radical love is what we need right now. Yes, we do. There's a lot going on right about (laughs) now. And so... Welcome. Thank you. Yes, thank you for coming. I um, did like a little, we're, we're also doing this live for our, for our listeners who are um, listening on DC radio. We're also doing it on our Facebook page. So it's new. So we're still trying to work out the kink. So everybody bear with us, okay? Bear with us. So Erica. Yes. Last night were the midterm elections, Mm -hmm. so we have the results today. Um, It's November here um, on the East Coast in Washington, D.C., and I have to be honest, I did my part, but I didn't follow it at all because I didn't want my my nerves to be stressed out. I have other things to focus on, and I knew that once I did the part that I could control, I did not try to control anything else. And so... I didn't look last night, even this morning, I didn't look. What I did was I sat in my meditation chair and I let the sun hit my face. And I just enjoyed the time before I decided to look at what was gonna go down. Mm -hmm. And I had to make peace with what was gonna go down because I know who who we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And it's very blatant. 
and it's unapologetic foolishness and the trickery is so serious that like I said I had to like ground myself Mm -hmm. before I decided to engage so the sun was beautiful in my in my meditation chair I in grounded myself I enjoyed it and I decided I'm gonna vibrate high today yeah that was a choice. Yeah. So those things are the choices that we have to make. A right? conscious choice. Conscious too. choice. Mm-hmm. So I um, then I engaged, and you know it was like a pleasant. There were some pleasant trees that went down, and there's some other things that just were the status quo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I know for me because I think, and probably we and people that we surround ourselves, we think a certain way. But I know for the general public, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of angst, a lot of fear, a lot of pissed offness, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a lot of like, um, well, that's why I don't do it anyway. And I'm not doing it again. And I'm not going to vote and I'm not going to do whatever. Which I understand. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right, right. So, I mean, I have a lot of friends who just don't vote. And and they're straight up like, I'm not voting. And they give you the reasons why. And they've given me documents to show why. And so I just chose to this time. I'll decide what I'm going to do next time because I can. Yeah. Right. So, and it ain't no judgment on anybody. It just is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So... How, how did you manage the, the process? I'm not asking you if you voted. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, how did you today? What did you think today? Yeah. Um, one thing, it really was about really not immersing myself into everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was already aware of the multitude of uh, voter suppression mm-hmm. all across the country. Mm-hmm. And um, in Texas, some of the, those big places that we were watching, Texas, mm-hmm. Georgia, and Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was just like I, I knew. Like, you know, I, ha- I have hope and faith in our people, not in these systems. Right. And, right. and it's okay to say that. Um, right. And so I wa- wasn't surprised Mm -hmm. Um, particularly with so many people, particularly in Texas, that were saying when they voted all Democratic Party and then when they got their receipt, it said all Republican. Oh, wow. And and it also happened in Maryland. It happened to my aunt where she had to, she ended up voting um, for Ben Jealous Mm -hmm. for the governor. Mm -hmm. And when she saw her receipt, it said the Republican candidate. Wow. And so they had to get it fixed. So it's happening all across the country, even to the point of um, in Atlanta and Southwest, uh, Southwest Atlanta, one of the polling places only had three voting machines where you have more affluent areas, more white areas had plenty of machines and the lines weren't long. Right. And so just recognizing that and seeing that, it's just like, I know how this is going to turn out. (laughs) And so how can I keep myself whole and present in whole space for people who this is going to be triggering for them? Um, And so for me, I can't consume a lot of it. Mm -hmm. It's recognizing the truth of what this country is Mm -hmm. and how it operates. Mm -hmm. Um, And recognizing that and how do we as people hold on and reach out to each other as we're we're continuing to build the world that we want and it may not be within this system. Right. So tell me a little bit about your mission and your vision with Unchained Visioning. Sure. And <clears throat> excuse me, and how you got to start doing that work. Mm. So the the how I started doing the work was um, with myself 
first. Right. Um, making sure that um, I'm present and aware within myself the things that I need to heal. Okay. And the way in which I was showing up in my own life um, and what I was taught about myself um, from various systems, from people who had their own trauma that may have been um, teaching or teaching me out of mm-hmm, that and projecting mm-hmm. that onto me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to a point where I I had to say, I do not know who I am. Right. And sometimes for people, that's the most scariest place and the scariest thing to actually admit to yourself and to say out loud. And But it's the most beautiful place that you can be because knowing that you can recreate um, who you want to be, mm-hmm. your highest, the highest expression of yourself. And so in being able to say, I do not know who I am, I can now unpack who I was taught I was. And does it still jive well? Does it still work for right. me? Um, and, and what was I taught about myself that might be connected to systems of oppression? Um, as a black woman, at the intersection of racism and sexism, what was I taught about my blackness? Mm. What was I taught about my my gender expression? Um, and if any of that makes me question my worth, makes me question my voice or my ability, um, I had to unpack that and see where I where that came from, right? And release it, and to to shift that. I'm going to reframe that to some liberating truths. And that's why when I say, you know, what does the unchained you look like? Mm. That's what I ask my clients because I started asking myself that. What does the unchained you look like? And if, and when I say that, I mean emotionally, mentally, physically, sexually, financially, spiritually. And what area am I being called to focus on right now? And for me, it was, it started with spiritually. Right. You know, what does the unchained me look like spiritually? Right. And um, how do I, how can I embody that liberated self in that way? But I had to release everything that I was taught um, that was connected to oppression. Right. Um, when it comes to spirituality and my connection with God, with source, with the universe, I had to release all of that. Anything that did not feel like liberation, I let it go. So that's really interesting because I like how you explained yeah. the process. I went through the same process yeah. I, and I started with spirituality, mm-hmm. but I just didn't have a way to express that that's how I did it, the way yeah. that you just did. I just was doing it mm-hmm. and I was doing it in secrecy because part of it was embarrassing. Yeah, Part of it, I was so rageful at learning some of these truths where and where I grew up, I grew up in New Jersey, and I grew up in a town um, that had the five percent nation, right? Ah, uh, mm-hmm. And so, and then I was raised by my grandmother as a Christian. Mm-hmm. So my mom was sort of very flexible, you know, do what you want to do, you know. what I'm saying there was no real outward. Um, anything but when we went to my grandparents house that's when it was but then I have this situation at at home in New Jersey with the five percent nation the gods is what we would call them right and they were so excited to learn about themselves Mm -hmm. as men and as women and but they didn't allow it to translate in a way so I always talk about inspiring like enlightening without in frightening people Mm -hmm. There was no like, 
gentle way that yeah. they would that they would share this information with you. I think that they were so excited about it. They would go to the rallies and they would learn this stuff and they would almost beat you on the head with it. Mm -hmm. Just like a Christian would beat yeah. you on the head with that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I beat people in the head when I, you know. Yeah. So, you know, those were little seeds that were planted um, to just know that, you know, there's a God in me is the main thing that I learned from the gods. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The 5% mm -hmm. nation where I grew up. It's like, they said, I am God. Mm -hmm. And I was taught, you the devil if you think you're yeah. God, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I was just like coming six years ago, seven years ago to when I started to liberate myself and start to do research, I went back to the gods and I'm thinking they were on to something. Mm -hmm. It was just their approach and their delivery may have turned me off and probably a lot of other people yeah. um, because it was so hard and in your mm -hmm. face and it was more like they're going to test you to see if you know versus just sharing the information yeah. and being loving about it. Well, a part of that is is connected to ego, right? So yeah. when we talk, start talking about um, what does the unchained you look like, it has to be free from the egoic self that projects its identity onto other people right. without their consent. Right. And so when we, when we talk about having, um, you know, we can be problematic and brilliant at the same time. Right. And we are. Right? right. And so, you know, we can have this particular belief and it's beautiful that that's where that came from. Mm -hmm. Right. That mm -hmm. I am the highest expression of God, mm -hmm. that I mm -hmm. am God. God mm -hmm. is me. Like mm -hmm. Erica, God, God, Erica. Mm -hmm. Right. And if there is any oppressive ideology that's also within that, it diminishes the message because if in that same community we are dehumanizing LGBTQ folks, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like God is them too. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so and then who gets to determine Yeah, who gets that? to say? Exactly. And so again, it's that that egoic piece that um would seek to um project itself onto other people. Mm -hmm. And you know, when we talk about healing and healing justice, it's it is being able to create more choice mm -hmm. for people mm -hmm. and allowing them to express themselves and to embody the divine in whatever way they know how. Mm -hmm. Um and being affirming of that, giving support where we're asked, right? Right, right. But not um, just imposing because then we become the oppressor. Right. But we wear it all white. <laughs> right. Right. We're right. you know, we have the 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 garb of, you know, spiritual healer and things. But if we are still operating out of those internalized ideologies that we ourselves as healers didn't have not processed and released, right. we are doing harm to people who are seeking other ways of being. Right. And that's not okay. That's not okay. And it's so interesting because I see a lot of it. Yeah. So, you know, I have evolved in my spirituality. And so I let everybody do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm not saying I let everybody. I'm just saying my thought is mm -hmm. do what There's you want to do. Yeah. Right. There's space. Mm -hmm. And in my upbringing of myself from my grandmother and other people, that was not the case. There yeah. was no space. It is what it is. Yeah. It is It is this and that's it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so as I'm creating and doing my work in the Goddess Awakening and Healing Sanctuary, I just... I don't even call myself a healer. Mm. 
what I do is call myself the mirror and the guide. Mm. The mirror guide is what I do because I'm still figuring some of this stuff out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm still figuring it out. And um, I'm still going through things and learning new things and ever evolving and never will feel like I have it all. Right. And then I have more tools than many people. And so I'm just guiding them yep. back to themselves because every human being is capable of healing themselves, yeah. spiritually, emotionally, financially, how energetically, however. Yeah. But if you're never given that permission and never even know you can, because you think you got to look to somebody else right. to do it, then you give your power to them. Mm-hmm. But so that's where the mirror guy comes in is just like, I'm still learning too. I give you space to do what you know to to do it whatever way makes you feel good, and then I'll guide you. And then, yeah. like I say, the goddess wanking and healing sanctuary. This is a safe space. The sanctuary is where you come to heal and to moan and cry and you know be in the fetal position if you need to and be safe. Yeah, and that it's okay. And it's, it's okay. okay to 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 be able to come and just come as you are. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and making it accessible. And that's why when I do, when I facilitate emotional emancipation circles, um, it is the same language, right? It's just having us be able to incorporate this language of, of processing. Right. Um, and, you know, having it be accessible, teaching, giving people the words and language to, to name what it is that they're experiencing. Right. Yeah. So emotional emancipation circle. Mm-hmm. Share what that is. Sure. So emotional emancipation circles were created by the Association of Black Psychologists. Um, And I was introduced to the Association of Black Psychologists um, when I try to think about like the exact time or moment. Um, But I had this, you know, I was hosting... um, small group Mm -hmm. sessions in my home, right? And they evolved from like spiritual evolution to now looking at the spaces in which we're in and how racism, sexism, um, various forms of oppression were interwoven into what we were learning about spirituality and what we were learning about ourselves. Right. Because of some of the things that we had to unlearn about like unworthiness and things like that, many of us learned from the church. Yep. There are literal songs where you are crying out, I'm not worthy. And right. like what that does to your spirit to right. actually believe that, right? right? Um, and then um, it was translating in relationships and all these different things with the group that I was... Um, that I was facilitating. And so I recognized that I needed to, I needed to shift to, this was maybe right before um, the George Zimmerman verdict. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had hosted the circles from starting in 2010, but during that time, this is what was happening. Okay. Um, And so that was the flow of the conversation and recognizing that, yes, we can have small group circles with a particular curriculum around spirituality what are the small group circles that talk about processing racial stress right. and trauma? Right. And I knew that this is the path that I was on and I couldn't bring them along without their consent. But right. these are the conversations we were having. And so I just put it out to the universe. Like I know there are circles of people 
who are doing this work, talking about racial stress and trauma and internalized oppression. And there's a curriculum out there. I know it is. I don't have to create it, right? Right. And I ended up meeting Dr. Kevin Washington, um, who was the uh, president of Association of Black Psychologists. Um, I ended up crashing to CBC during one, <laughs> one year. I think I heard and, about that from some friends, <laughs> Erica. Um, and then ended up going, <laughs> ended up going to um, a panel that they were hosting and they were talking about trauma mm-hmm. and they were talking about um, oppression. And at this, at this moment, this was after Michael Brown was murdered. Mm-hmm. It was the same year, mm-hmm. actually. And I had, I went down to Ferguson maybe four days after Michael Brown was murdered to be with the people. Okay. Um, and that was what, what the ask was. Like, ask for people to come from everywhere and stand with them. Okay. It was the uprising. So yeah. how could I not? Right. You know, right. many black people in this country are waiting for the uprising. Right. And that's what it was. Right. And so um, when I came back, so many people were talking about Ferguson in a way that I felt dishonored the people who were there and actually there on the ground, the citizens of Ferguson. Right. Um, and so that was one of the things, the commitments that I made to them. I'm not going to let anybody denigrate you and try to talk, tell your story mm-hmm. without actually having been there and connecting with you. Right. And so that's how a lot of my visibility happened mm-hmm. in D.C. Mm-hmm. after coming back from Ferguson okay. and holding people accountable who were having panels, having not experienced anything there on the ground, just, just from what the media was sharing with them. Right. And so I wanted to see what these folks on this panel were going to be talking about and if they were making the connections to what was happening there in Ferguson, what the folks were experiencing, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I knew that there were activists there that didn't even identify as activists Mm -hmm. that were being burned out emotionally, spiritually. And so what I was doing when I was there was connecting with them on, on that level and offering that support. Um, And so from there, it, I went to the the panel and they were having a conversation. They were talking about emotional emancipation circles and I remember standing up and I said, right now in Ferguson, people are hurting. Yeah. They have they are being occupied by the police and continuing to be out in the street mm-hmm. for protest mm-hmm. and are continuing and I was even there. When I came back, I still had the anti tear gas spray all over my shirt and on my glasses because this is how we were being treated. And so I challenged them to come to Ferguson, bring emotional emancipation circles to Ferguson, train people to be able to hold space for themselves and for their community. Yeah. Um, Cause I said, it's needed. Will you come back with me right. in October? Right. When we did, when we did Ferguson in October. Yes. And I met with them afterwards. They said that they would. Mm-hmm. I ended up meeting with them afterwards. Um, this is uh, Dr. Cheryl Grills and Enola Aird. Um, and they weren't able to come back in October, but they did come back in December. Mm-hmm. And they came back, um, it was from around my birthday, actually. Okay. And so I flew back to Ferguson. And that was where I was trained. They hosted okay. a training okay. um, for folks there in Ferguson um, to to host these circles. So. That's where I got trained, and then I brought it back to D.C. And with emotional emancipation circles, it's supporting people in identifying any internalized ideology that prevents you from seeing the the fullest potential of who you are. Right. And so if there are um, any self-limiting beliefs of unworthiness 
or even just anti-blackness. You know, you have some black people that, that will say things like, man, I can't stand working with black people. Mm-hmm. But you black. Right. Your mama, and, your grandma, Right. You know, and you're daddy. usually saying that to a black person. <laughs> You know, and so when we say that, what is it that we're perpetuating? Right. You know, and so and then also being able to identify the impacts of compounded trauma. So it's connected to Dr. Joy DeGruy's work of post-traumatic slave syndrome. Mm -hmm. So what are these impacts, the the multi-generational trauma that we carry with us in our DNA? Because all this trauma compounded with no support, right? no service, right. no counseling, no therapy. We just out here. Just out here. Right? And then having kids, and it's, it's transmitted to them as well through their DNA, this trauma. And so people think that, that these are characteristics, that trauma responses outbursts of anger, foreshortened, uh, fear of foreshortened future, um, hypervigilance, that these are um, characteristics of black people when they are actually symptoms of trauma. Right. And so once we're able to name what they are, we can recognize, okay, so who are we outside of this trauma? Who were we? Right. Right. And so there's this there's this act of reclaiming that happens in emotional emancipation circles because now folks have language to name what they knew all along. Right, innately, you know? but we don't we don't trust ourselves because we're taught not to trust right. what's happening. So right. I think about when the Mike Brown verdict came out. Yeah. Okay, I was in corporate America on a business trip mm -hmm. and one of the few that looked like me out of like 200 some odd people, yeah. right? And so it's all over the news, it's happening tonight, or they're just waiting for it to come out, whatever, it came out kind of late, right? Yeah, I remember that night, and they did that on purpose. Yeah, they did it on mm -hmm. purpose. So I'm sitting there, and then everybody's just at the bar, they chilling, it means nothing. They're so disconnected from it, and I'm like, so let me go to my room. Now, this was however many years ago that was. I didn't even think of it how you just explained it. I just knew that innately it didn't feel good. Yeah. And I felt alone and I felt sad and then I felt angry because these are supposed these are my friends and um they had to borrow with some wings. Yeah. And I'm about to throw up. Yeah. Right. So I go in my room and then I watch it. And I'm like, oh my God. So yeah. then I'm traumatized, right? Yeah. So then my daughter was with her dad and they called because he was trying to give her context. I was trying to give her context and we had none. Mm. And she was little. I mean, I don't remember how many years ago it was. Yeah, this but, was in 2000, 2014. Right. Yeah. So she was young, 10 maybe. And so we're all traumatized. And so then the next day I go to my meeting and it's business as usual. They over there at the omelet, yeah. you know, chef. And I'm sitting there like... The world is falling apart. <laughs> the world is falling apart. And even some of the ones who look like me, I think they had to disconnect from it. Yeah. So I'm the only one like, what the heck's going on? You know what I'm saying? So I uh, would appreciate... Yeah. Having known some of the tips. Yep. And I think I just did, you know, your body knows how to take care of itself. My body knew how to take care of itself. I just went to sleep as best yeah. that I could. Sometimes you just got to go to sleep. The best that I could <laughs> yeah. because I was stressed out and I was angry. And I was like, there's no way that we know what happened and how this played out. And they just act like it didn't happen. Yeah. So tell us. So, so then time goes forward and then I happen 
to meet you mm. at the Georgetown. So it was the what was the the group? The, the young ladies at Georgetown. Oh, the Brave Summit. Yeah, so I went Summit, to yeah. the Brave Summit, right? It yeah. was just an event at Georgetown. Brave Summit is amazing. These Shout young sisters y'all. have it going on to be collegiates, right? Yeah. Now, when I was a collegiate, I didn't know none of this stuff. So I get inspired and empowered just going. So I've been twice. I don't know how mm-hmm. many there have been, but I've been twice. Mm-hmm. And so I see you on the stage there. And then we have, I go to your breakout session and you're talking about stuff that's making me feel better. Yeah. And you're giving tools and tips to make me feel better. So then you talked about the emotional emancipation circle. And I went to one of those. Now I went to it and I went to it when I was totally beaten down. Mm. And I was making changes um, in my own personal life to remove people, places, things, entities. And I was needing some support to just cut those ties. Mm -hmm. And I came to one of your circles right on H Street. And um, it was awesome. I had never heard those conversations. I had (laughs) never heard people put things that way. I had never, like you even got some rules that you follow in there. And I was like, this is cool, right? So... Emotional emancipation circles, when you have hold them here in Washington, D.C., what do they look like? Yeah. And share some of like the rules and and I don't even want to say rules. There's just some protocol that has Mm -hmm. to happen in order for this to be successful. So talk to us about that. Yeah. So what emotional emancipation circles look like? And and they may look different depending on the facilitator. Mm -hmm. What I've done with the curriculum is queered it quite a bit to okay. have it be affirming and representative of all identities of blackness, okay. no matter how you identify. Okay. Um, and that's intentional to make sure that those um, black folks who are also the most marginalized within us, so black trans women, um, mm. black queer folk, mm-hmm, making mm-hmm. sure that there is space um, for all of us. Um, so it's it's queered quite a bit. Um, what does it look like? It's more so the energy, the energy of liberate. Like? Yeah, what right. does it feel like? It feels, my intention is that it feels like a place where you can be free. Right. Where you can take off your mask. Right. Uh, where no one else is wearing the mask that is going to, you know, encourage you to keep yours on. Right. right? Um, and there's a, a, a skilled way of facilitating that space, um, which, you know, starting out as a teacher, um, teaching and and being a student is a uh, a model of vulnerability. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so, as a teacher, making sure that I'm not taking that for granted. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, in that, making sure that people feel welcome um, enough as their full selves, not putting on any facade. Right. So there is also always an altar, um, an ancestral mm-hmm. altar. That mm-hmm. a lot of my work is deeply connected to Harriet Tubman mm-hmm. um, and and her mission for liberation for herself first, okay. for her family, and then more people, and then more. Right. You know, um, and that is a specific model. You got to free yourself. First, right, 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 um, and then you got to consent. You got to. Some people don't want to be free, right? They do not, <laughs> and yeah, it's okay. They don't. And it's, it's okay. okay. And some people may come to emotional emancipation circle or like this is too much. Right. I wasn't ready, and you know. But but what but what will happen is I notice is that those people will come back and they will say I wasn't ready for it then, right? But I'm ready for it now. Yep, you and, know? and that's like you said, that's okay. And I always say, come or don't. Yeah, it's not, not, maybe it's not right now. Yeah, because I had one of my friends as I was evolving, and she was watching me. She was just like, 
asking me about it and then I was going to share some information she said I don't want to know yeah and I said that's okay yeah let's finish doing what we doing yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's just listening for that and so mm-hmm. that was like releasing ego yeah and hearing the person right in front of you right 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 um and still holding space for their conscious evolution mm-hmm. like vibrationally and mm-hmm. then whenever it happens it happens mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. it may not be through you or with you and that's okay yeah you know um and that's kind of the same energy you know I, the people that come to emotional emancipation circles are there for a reason yeah they're called there yeah and i don't take that lightly so with that with um emotional emancipation circles and having the ancestral altar and then having these beautiful um, affirmation cards that um association of black psychologists put together um Having those be like those cards that you can just pull out to remind you of who you are and remind you that this is the world that we are in, but it is not you. Right. It's not us. Um, and so just kind of remembering that. Yes. Um, there's always a grounding question that um, is started with ancestral wisdom. Um, it's connected to um, this is the, the end of a Lucille Clifton poem where she says, come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. Mm-hmm. And so my grounding question is what tried to take you out this week? Right. But failed. Right. Right. And so just to be able to name that, to allow us to breathe with each other and to remind us of our resilience. Right. And there's a many people have a complicated relationship with that word resilience. And I get it. And I understand because sometimes it's like, I don't want to just keep being resilient. I just want to thrive. Right. You know what I mean? Like, why right. do I have to keep being resilient from things um, that are coming at me? But right. that that is life, right? We have to learn how to be resilient. And for black people, I would say we are one of the most resilient people on this planet mm-hmm. because to experience all the things that we've had, that we've experienced without any support, like there was no new deal for us. We were mm-hmm. cut out of that. Mm-hmm. And all the way up that we are still leading culture and influencing. We may not get all the credit, but we know. We right. know what's up. We right. know what's true. We know. You know. And so it's it's being able to name this resilience that we have individually is important because it allows us to tap into that more and more. You know, when I can mirror back to someone you know, when they say, you know, some of the, the white women at my job trying to take me out, right? Because that's what they be doing sometimes, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, we can look at the results the election. of this election. Yeah, yeah. You know? If you just look so, on your own, like, no shade, but no shade, the, numbers, shade. the numbers show <laughs> straight up. If you look at the numbers and who voted, you know, in the first election and now who voted in this election, the same ones who are out yep. there carrying those signs, but when it comes to us and the things that we need, the solidarity is um, lacking to say the least. Yeah, I mean, if you say 71% of white women voted for Ted Cruz, like, that's, it makes sense. Oh yeah. Right, and so it's, it, we gotta make sure that we're not saying, well, what? why did they do, we know why. Right, we know and not why. thinking and we have that to we're crazy. That. Just accept right. it, we're, we're not, not crazy. crazy. We are seeing what we're seeing. There's not like a little game that's being played. It's blatant, it's yeah. unapologetic, it is what it is. So now what are we going to do? Exactly, and so when I, when we talk about this resilience, right, so giving that example of, you know, uh, somebody coming into the circle and they're saying, these white women on their job are being, you know, just doing these microaggressive things and passive aggressive things and um, and so what they did was they reached out to a friend or they went outside and got some fresh air so yeah. mirroring back 
the resilience is that they reached out to community. Right. You know, and so to mirror back to them some of the, the skills that they are already doing without even thinking about it, mm-hmm. it supports them in, in seeing that as a more conscious choice and being able right. to employ that more and more. So you talked about the feeling of mm-hmm. what an emotional emancipation circle is and then so black joy sunday yeah okay so i have been to a few of those myself so think about this and this was so cool (laughs) right so now here i am we walk in with i walk in with one of my friends and we got black folk laying on beautiful uh this was this was in the the summertime this specific time this was outside we outside they coloring (laughs) they sitting on colorful blankets people inside eating watermelon People are getting massages. Mm-hmm. People are just sitting on the ca- on the um, porch, taking a nap, feeling safe, feeling okay to just be who they are. Mm-hmm. There was no like airs. You walk in, you like, hey, you know, <laughs> y'all can sit here or not. Sit over there if you want. <laughs> but it was just so. It was just funny for me to walk in, and I'm just like. We just chilling. Yeah. And this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like and children were playing. Right. Without any like, like people were watching. I was feeding them, people safe. maybe some watermelon, <laughs> you know, and they were having whole conversations with me. And I was just like, they're safe. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Don't do that. Stop touching those people's <laughs> stuff. Right? Yeah. You know. So it was just so freeing and liberating to be amongst those kinds of people and what I was thinking was this is how it's supposed to be and we are so stressed out like my limbic system was calm Mm -hmm. I was calm I I was just having a good time and my friend my girlfriend Anisha shout to Anisha we were there together and we kept saying we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go so we found one and um those are awesome. So yeah. talk to us about Black Joy Sundays and yeah. do you still have them? Yeah. So Black Joy Sunday was actually created, um, co-created with myself and um, my comrade and brother, Aaron Goggins. Okay. Um, and it came out of the uh, Charleston massacre yes. at the church. Mm-hmm. And it started out by just him asking, like, if we ain't safe in church, where can we be safe? Right. And for me, I said, we, we need some joy because we don't know what the next week is going to bring. Right. And so for us, we have to be able to hold on to each other. And a part of what had us survive as a people was our joy. Yeah. And so where is that in all of this? Everything is that we're doing, this organizing, this doing this deep introspective healing work. Where is the joy right. in that? Right. And so we have it in pockets with each other and spurts, but like intentional coming together and gathering just for joy. Just for joy. Right. It wasn't it wasn't present. And so we created it. Yeah. Right. Like we always do, like the history of our people. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. And so it started out with his long hashtag if we ain't safe in church. <laughs> and um, I always get on him about his long hashtags. And then I just said, okay, what about Black Joy Sunday? Mm-hmm. And so that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. And it was a gathering. It started in Malcolm X Park, yep. um, which is now over gentrified beyond what I, that's a whole other, whole nother topic. Yes, um, I know. But we started there and had 
you know, chefs come that were wanting to donate food. One of my um, my uh, friends who was a, a master chef, uh, Chef Joe, came out and brought like fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. There were people that were coming out, musicians that just had like little song ciphers where people could just make up songs. They just played a rhythm, made up some songs. There were people that were meditating. Mm-hmm. There were people that were coloring. Um, and the intention of that is to have us come together acknowledge the pain that many of us are experiencing mm-hmm. and allowing joy to be unearthed in that right. moment. So acknowledging it, not dismissing it, right. right? Acknowledging it and making a conscious choice in this moment to focus on joy. Which is a birthright. Yeah. Like we're supposed to be joyful, vital, Absolutely. healthy, happy, abundant. Yeah. And I'm really proud of that because that was that was how we centered healing within the chapter of Black Lives Matter DC, mm-hmm. you know, which a part of which I co-created. Okay. I'm not uh, affiliated, well, connected with the chapter anymore. Okay. Um, because I'm making, made room for other people to step into their leadership. Yeah. But still able to support them um, in that. Um, and so it may still be happening. I'm not sure. Um, but that is something that we, you know, encourage other people to be able to do on their own. There was a group um, from Canada that came down just to come and attend the the Black Joy Sundays. Okay. And we talked to wow. them about how to do it. And so now there's Black Joy Sunday in Canada. Um, wow. Okay. And so, yeah, so it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's, it's double dutch, it's jump rope, yeah. it's twerking, it's <laughs> anything it is that brings you joy. Yes. We just encourage you to bring it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, you talked about being a part of Harriet's Apothecary yeah. and how you align with the principles um, of Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So Harriet's Apothecary is a beautiful, beautiful transformative healing collective based out of Brooklyn. Okay. Um, and it was co-created by Adaku Utah um, and Harriet Tubman. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we are a collective of black um, femme folk, um, queer and trans um and cis and whole multitude um, who travel across the world facilitating healing spaces and workshops focused on healing justice and reclaiming um, and embodying our humanity, our divinity, our dignity, all of that. And then teaching people how to to do that in a a more intentional way. Right. And um, so, yeah, most of the folks are out in Brooklyn. Um, Some are in upstate New York on beautiful farms, so Wild Seed Farm and uh, Soul Fire Farm. There's some folks that are in North Carolina, shout out to Moon, um, who's there, and, and I'm in DC. Okay. Um, but it's a, it's a beautiful community where we come together, um, share different healing practices and modalities with each other, and um, you know we come together for different, um, different institutions or schools or folks that wanna bring us out we facilitate healing villages um, okay. for them. And we do those for the community seasonally. Um, okay. And so we have another one that's going to be coming up, the winter healing village that'll probably be um, in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, I don't have the date just yet. Okay. But um, Harriet's Apothecary um, on Instagram, you can find that there okay. Okay. Um, and get all that information. Okay. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. So yeah. now you are a mom also, yes. a wife and a mom. Mm-hmm. How do you do all this work? And still be a mom and a wife. You know, I have an amazing partner. I have an amazing partner um, who 
recognizes who his wife is. Okay. And has grown and and stretched in ways beyond I could ever think to to be secure within himself as um, as we both shine mm-hmm. and as he's growing into his own abilities and um, as a shaman, as an herbalist. And, okay. Um, and so we really communicate well with each other and love each other very deeply um, and, and want to support each other in having the fullest expression mm-hmm. of ourselves mm-hmm. um, in this incarnation. And so... Um, so with a lot of his support, I also have great community members, still some of the same folks that are with Black Lives Matter DC, Okay, um, who we have a great community of people who love my children and want to be with them yeah. and, and they want to be with them too. Yeah. And so, um, and they support the work that I do. So when they know that I'm out of town doing emotional emancipation circle work or um, any of the workshop, the various workshops that I do, emotional emancipation circles is just one, mm-hmm. um, but they, they support me in that. And there's a mutual support in right. that as well. And so um, it, there's a good balance. I didn't always have it, have the balance down. Yeah, no, um, it's tough. Yeah. It can be. It can be. And But I also make sure that my children see me living out my purpose because I'm also supporting them in living out theirs. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't like a context of like mommy's leaving, right? Uh, mommy is supporting people and getting free. And so that's what they understand okay. and know. And what? how um, old are they? They are eight and nine. So my okay. daughter, Marley Hendricks, just turned eight. And my son, Solomon Amari, is nine. Okay, so yeah. they're still pretty young. They're still pretty young. And yeah. so do they have opinions of what's happening? or They do. They do. Um, they have very strong opinions okay. <laughs> of what's happening. And that's not the focus of their conversation because mm-hmm. they're... They, they live in a world that feels like liberation for them. Right, okay. Where they're not in that vibration. They don't have anxious adults around them because all the adults that are around them are meditating and doing Qigong. Like, this is the the world that we created for our kids intentionally. Right, right. Um, And so we have these conversations. And so there isn't... They are some free little black children and you know it is very different from how I was raised yeah and so even in there when they're embodying their own liberation I have to make sure that I'm checking myself and that I'm not trying to be too controlling or too restrictive um and I had to adjust my parenting in that way because that's that's not um the ways that I was parenting right you know and so it's different and then I have my children that are you know the children that are coming up now are real different you know, mm-hmm. like they they're, there's, there's a, they're on a whole different vibration. They came into this planet on a whole different vibration. And so when I'm, you know, I'm, I struggle with time management sometimes and trying to get the kids to school. And sometimes I'm like, you know, we got to get out the house. And so my daughter is like, Mom, don't rush me. <laughs> and I had to be like, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because my lack of time management is making me rush my children and right. it's creating some anxiety for her. And she had the power within herself to say to her mother, don't rush me. Mm-hmm. The other thing with my son the other day, when I was telling him about you know cleaning his room and getting the clothes up off the floor, and he was in the front seat of the car, he looked at me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, I know you're not talking. <laughs> and I was like, D- you're right, you're right. 
touche, right? Because right. I have clothes all on my floor too, and so it is like a recognition, like they are our mirrors. They are right, and so just making sure that I'm not, you know, I'm being real. I see my children as human beings, so right. if I'm not gonna yell or spank another adult, why would I do that to right. a child, you know? So it's interesting as a mom, my daughter will be 16 next week. She reminded me okay. again, today we're on the countdown. And so, you know, she probably was eight or nine while I was starting to start this transition and this evolution. And so she was already pretty much grown. Like, mm, you know, your kids yeah. are eight or nine, they already. <laughs> they so are who they are. <laughs> as I started to change things in the crib, she was like, what's happening mm. here? Some of it she was down with, and some of it she questioned some more. Some of it she talked junk to me to family members. Mm. And so, you know, we had that. But as we've um, grown together, and then, you know, lots of the teachings that I that I have, you know, been uh, exposed to, I now share with her. Yeah, Just little baby bird, um, little drops, little mm-hmm. seeds. I'm not trying to inundate her, overwhelm her. She can do what she wants to do, right? Yeah. And so um, she had an experience <clears throat> this summer at the fair in Arlington County, Virginia, where she saw one of her friends be apprehended by the police. Yeah, Thrown down to the ground, and his mom came to his defense, and the police berated her. her. Mm. Now, this is at the fair in front of everybody. And she was telling me um, everybody was chilling at the fair. And these were the children who were being picked on, yeah. like being followed, being watched, being um, accused of stealing some tickets. You know, craziness, right? Yeah. So I go pick her up and she's overwhelmed. She's crying. She's angry and she's trying to figure it out, but I'm even angrier, Yeah. right? Because I'm like, now she it has now been baptized into the bull crap, yeah. right? And it was just the fair. Like I have taken her since she was four. And so now she has this experience and she sees this little boy. So I was like, where am I gonna take her to release some mm. of this stuff, whether she wants to go or not? Cause she wasn't down to come, yeah. but I took her to Erica. We had a emotion, <laughs> we had a small group, emotional yeah. emancipation circle, and maybe she didn't even talk that much, and she even left early, but she was there, yeah, she and was I there wanted her to be able to see even the beginning how you break down like um, what's accepted in the group, and you know some of the questions you asked us and things like that. So like for our children, like it's better to start them off early yeah you know start us off early because those of us who are 40 50 plus 60 plus and beyond we already had the stress yeah and so we're trying to unpack and awaken and heal from it and recalibrate ourselves and do all these things but the earlier we can get our babies to realize that they're beautiful and that they are smart and their birthright is the joy yeah and to not have to deal with you know on the energetic level Stuff happens, but to know, to have the tool to be able to transmute all that and to transfer that energy, that's the key right there. Yeah, yeah. So with 10 minutes. Okay. Yes, with 10 minutes, please offer some tools for us today as many of our family is stressed out Mm -hmm. from these election results. I mean, we had some wins. Mm -hmm. There were some wins. I'm not going to say we had some wins. I'm going to say there were some wins, some 
some black and brown women got put into places that they hadn't been put in before. And so from my understanding, this will change. This will be very impactful when they start to redistrict Mm -hmm. things. So that's helpful. Um, More voices in the room usually helps. And so, but what can we tell the family who... You know, they just stressed out today. And probably you, this is just another day of stress. Yeah. You know, so what can yeah. we tell them? What I would offer, and there's so many different um, tools um, for people to use that bring them back to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I would say the first is breathing. Remember mm-hmm. to breathe. Mm-hmm. And so, so many times we go through our day and don't even realize that we're holding our breath, mm-hmm. you know. And just to take a breath and just just that, yep. not the shallow breath, yep. right? Which I was not just the, doing, you know, yeah. not the high up in the chest, yep. you know, but really from the belly, just to breathe. And when you feel anxiety, when you feel this tightness in your jaw, or whatever, just to be able to take a breath mm-hmm. and to do that maybe three times, you know just to breathe. Um, uh, my, my dear uh, friend Adaku would say, you know, breath is the most potent medicine that we can access at any time. Mm-hmm. And the, the air that we are breathing is ancient. Mm-hmm. You know, the air we're breathing is the same air that Harriet Tubman breathed, the same air that Nanny Helen Barrows breathed, mm-hmm. you know. And just to know that we can access that at any time is so powerful. So breath work, making mm-hmm. sure that we're breathing. The next is making sure that we're drinking water. I'm just giving the, the bare, bare basic what, stuff. But that's what we need, the basics. Yeah, and that's, so making sure that we're drinking water, right? Add more water to your diet because you're going to be flushing out more because mm-hmm. you're going through your day absorbing, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Making sure that you are not carrying energy that's not yours into your home. Right. Right. So making sure that you're drinking water. Um And then the other, I would say, you know, I could say rest, which is important, but I will also say make sure that that some part of your week, there is joy. So Mm -hmm. schedule some joy for yourself in during the week. Right. You know, whether you start your 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 Sunday with joy Mm -hmm. or you find a day to take a twerking class, take, take a cooking class, something like that, or just. Go to the movies or spend time with people who make you laugh or watch something that's not going to have you um, be stressed out. Don't, you know, turn off the news. Right. You know, if you could turn off the news for or or just shift from like not consuming news right when you wake up, you know, something like that where you just when you get out the bed, just maybe breathe for a minute Mm -hmm. and then get started with your day and then maybe turn on the news a little later. You know, right. So just making sure that you are are centering yourself as much as you can. So the breath work, the making sure that we're drinking water, rest, um, and then also making sure that you are are scheduling time for joy for yourself. So I want to kind of like unpack just a few of those things and how I am learning to use those things. So. Breath is easy. And as I just was sitting here, I was holding my breath because I think I was reliving the trauma of the things that we're talking about. So breath is so important. And so at the beginning of the show, I was just talking about what I did to um, to start my day. Yeah. And it was not going to be 
getting on CNN or right. online to see who won these elections, right? right? Um, what I decided to do was sit in the sun and breathe yeah. and do my meditation, drink my water, mm -hmm. drink my tea, took my B12 and was and stretched. Yeah. That's that's what I did. And so that's for, good body work. Yeah, for mm -hmm. me I call the morning the power hour. Mm -hmm. So I am intentional about not getting cuz what I want to know is after I just go through these what is your regimen for self-care and self-preservation? Mm -hmm. I um refuse to get on so early because I don't want to I want to start vibrating high. Yeah. That's how I want to start. And so the water every day scheduling joy intentionally so last week or a few weeks ago was my birthday okay i had my family coming in town and the plans were not going as myself mm -hmm. clipboard cherry is what they call me because <laughs> i got the production schedule down you get here then you get here then this is what's happening right it wasn't happening okay that way and as i was deciding to decide not to allow it to to bother me mm -hmm. I said, I have planted all the seeds to make this a beautiful weekend, and it's not going how I want it, but it's going as it should. Think I'll schedule myself a massage. And I went and got a massage. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I turned off the brain chatter after a few minutes, you yeah. know, because you still got to like ground yourself mm -hmm. in. And, and then I did that intentionally, and then everything worked out beautifully, yeah. just as it should. And it was a lesson to myself about just you know freeing myself from the anxiety and whatever else that was not under my control. Mm -hmm. So tell us what your, we have like four minutes now. Okay. Tell us what your self-care regimen is and even maybe a tip for the kiddos. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I do regularly, I, I used to do it weekly, mm -hmm. um, and now I do it more so monthly, mm -hmm. is spiritual baths. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, taking a spiritual bath, allowing myself to create a beautiful bath for myself, and, and maybe I can post some of this um, some more on Facebook yeah. with the time that we have. Yes. But um, uh, spiritual baths support me in being able to release um, anything that I have been carrying. So... I cry a lot in the spiritual bath, mm -hmm. cry for tears that I probably should have cried a week ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so but this space is for that. Yeah. And I make a beautiful bath with um, pink, yellow and orange rose petals. Oh, wow. I might put some shells in it. I'll put honey in the water for okay. some sweetness. OK. Um, it's directly connected and drawing in Mother Oshun mm -hmm. um, because I always because I'm a fire sign, I'm a Sagittarius, mm -hmm. I have a lot of fire. Mm -hmm. And so um, I make sure I put peppermint in the water for cooling, yep. eucalyptus for healing, and lavender for calming. And so um, with that, uh, that honey in the water, it allows me to embody more sweetness mm -hmm. instead of the fire, right? So give it yeah. a little more balance to it. Um, and so it's just allowing me to, to be softer and it, and it allows me to remember my softer side too. And it just, I'm, I'm, I'm able to just cry and release and, mm -hmm. and let things that I, that no longer serve me just go down the drain. Right. Um, and so that, and then, um, meditation. It may be three minutes. It may be four. It mm -hmm. may be a whole hour, depending on, right. on what I'm feeling. Um, so that I would say those are my two go tos. Um, oh, and twerking. 
Okay, you twerking move, is one of them the too. Yeah, be, it supports your root chakra. Yeah. So that's that power, that power stance too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it has been, you know, it, it's looked at in a way that is only sexual, right? Know, um, right. But also, sexuality is demonized, right? And so, there's a way to tap into that sexual, sensual energy that supports you in manifesting the things that you want. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we had Tamer from the Womb Sauna here talking about that. And yeah. then we had Candace Mickens from Sacred Touch talk about the power of touch. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be sexual. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so those are the things that I really tap into. Okay. Yeah. Now um for meditation for me, I don't eat you know, like if you consider meditation it might look like you're just in the own position mm-hmm. i have to do a movement meditation yeah i can't just sit still so those are just things to consider yeah thank you so now how can people find you how can they come to them black joy sundays yeah. how can they come to those emotional emancipation circles and where can they follow you yes so for black joy sunday i would say reach out to black lives matter dmv okay um they're on facebook as well okay okay um for um emotional emancipation circles i now host those um, I hosted them in DC for about four years I have one growing in Maryland now in Hyattsville at a beautiful place called the Dream Village it's beautiful um, um, it's at 5128 uh, Baltimore Avenue in Hyattsville and that's on the second and fourth Wednesdays okay at seven from seven to nine um, you can find me on Facebook at Erica Totten E-R-I-K-A and on Instagram is to live unchained. Okay. T O L I V E unchained. That's also the same on Twitter. Okay. Um, and I think that is it. And my website to live unchained.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for coming. You're I'm so excited to have these tips. Y'all woosah. Get you some water, breathe, and schedule some joy this week. Yes. All right. And we'll see you next time in the sanctuary. All right. Thank you for listening to The Sanctuary. Please follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and on the web at goddess-awaken.com to follow the revolution.